Amen. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? In Jesus' name, amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you. You've been our source, you've been our helper, you've been the building, the builder of our lives. And you're here in your power and in your might. You have prepared for us again today because you're a good father, faithful shepherd. Thank you, Father, for you are the interpreter of yourself. Thank you, Father, for we know for sure that you will feed our cups to overflowing today. Your words received by us, allowed to be implanted in our hearts, rooted and built up in our lives, will never return unto you void. It will accomplish every purpose for which you are sending it in our lives today. We give you the praise, Father God. We thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Our topic today is um, God's wisdom for financial prosperity. God's wisdom for financial prosperity. God wants us to prosper and be successful as his children. But he doesn't want success or prosperity to enslave any of his children. He loves us so intensely. He hates poverty. He hates sickness. He hates anything that will not make our joy to be full. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 10, 9 and 10, he said, I am the door. If you ever enter through Jesus, he assured us, you will be saved, you will walk in and out freely, and you will find pasture. That means whatever it is that you need in life, you will find it because he will see to it that you find it. Because he said the reason that he came in verse 10, he said, so that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full. Till it overflows. That's his plan. Till it overflows. That's your father's plan. And that was why Jesus came. We all know the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you already have this extravagant grace poured out upon you. You may not have been experiencing it, but the fact remains that it is there. The Bible said, although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty, we become rich and beyond measure. That was Jesus for you, and that was exactly what he did, and he accomplished that. The reason he came was to destroy all the works of Satan, and part of it is poverty, part of it is sickness, any manner of confusion. That was why Jesus came, and he accomplished that. He said in Galatia 3, 13 and 14, verse 13 said that Christ purchased our freedom. That's again that freedom that Jesus was talking about. He said, redeeming us from the cause, the doom of the law, and its condemnation by himself becoming a cause for us. Himself became a cause. I was reading a, 
Deuteronomy 28, 21, 23. And I was talking about, I mean, from verse, I think, uh, 20 or thereabout. I was talking about in the Old Testament, if any child is stubborn, the, the parents will bring that child to the elders of the city and they will stone that child to death so that they, by so doing, they will cleanse the city so that other children will fear and they will not do that same thing. And he said that if anyone committed a sin that requires that person to be hung on a tree, it's a curse. So all manner of causes, if you go through Deuteronomy 28, you will see all of them there from verse 15. Jesus Christ redeemed us from all that. It's all part of why, even though in the world today we see a lot of children that are stubborn to their parents. I've witnessed some when I was teaching in one of the schools in Orange. Nothing happens to them. That's by way of maybe anybody stoning them. Because Christ already dealt with all that. Jesus, the Bible said uh, that, let God be, that God magnifies his word above his name. Whatever is written, God stands to make sure that it happens. Because he's a faithful God. So whatever you need for flourishing is already made available as a child of God. You can read that in 2 Timothy, 2 Peter chapter 1, from verse 2 to 4. And he magnifies his word above his name. You have all that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He opposes all things by the word of his power. So what is written is written. The scripture cannot be broken. God designed you as a child of God to flourish. Flourishing is your portion. There's a principle governing the word of God which is important that we as children of God must understand and live by for us to enjoy all these flourishing. And the degree to which you follow the word of God based on these principles is the degree to which you experience this flourishing. Nobody can help you out of it as a child of God. That's the way God designed it. You are the mirror of what is in your heart. You are the mirror. What you're doing is a mirror of what is in your heart. And no wonder he told us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he said, come, let me change the way you think. Let's look at 2 Timothy 2, 47. He said, for every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him? There are lots of distractions, ways people have designed to flourish, but it's not God's way. An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy, so remain faithful to God. The farmer who labors to produce a crop should be the first one to be fed from its harvest. When you labor, Following God's principles, you will really feed, feed and feed sumptuously. So verse 7 says, carefully consider all that I've taught you. And may our Lord inspire you with wisdom and revelation in everything you say and do. And that is my prayer for us, that we will 
carefully consider everything that the Lord has been teaching us and will take us through today. Get a revelation of it by God's grace and let it guide what you say and what you do. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, to take him at his word, to rest upon his promises, to know, thus said the Lord, and just simply live by that. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Some people think it means whatever I desire, he will give me. No, he will guide your desires to fit in line with his will for you. Because he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good. Remember, he created you for his pleasure, for a purpose. But he said, you have to seek me and search for me with the whole of your heart and follow me so that you will get to your expected end. There's a way that seems right to a man, but we know that the end is always destruction. That's what the Bible said in Proverbs 14, 12. So the book of James chapter 1, verse 25, then now said, but he who looks carefully, not just anyhow, not casually, into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and do what? And faithfully, you faithfully abide by it, not having become a careless listener. Like we all here in church on those listening online, you don't become a careless listener because you want to know, you want to hear, you want to get it right. Who forgets but an active doer who obeys? He said he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of what? Obedience. We know we have passed from the threshold of true knowledge when we live in obedient devotion to God. We don't want to be the stubborn to know it all, the stubborn know-it-all. We don't know anything at all. Our brain cannot figure what is best for us. We are designed to live by the wisdom of God. Who delights in the prosperity of the righteous? That's what he told us in Psalm 35, 27. So your physical prosperity is very much dependent upon your soul prosperity to the extent to which your soul flourishes in the word of God is to the extent to which you will flourish, flourish physically. And James 1.21 tells us that the only thing that flourishes our soul is the word of God that we receive that is rooted in us and we choose to live by it. We say that we are Abraham's uh, seed and Abraham's blessings belong to us. Look at Abraham. The Bible said he was blessed to be a blessing. Genesis 12, 2 says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you with abundant increase of what? 
of favors and make your name famous and distinguished and you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. That's what God designed you and I to be as children who are Abraham's seed. He said, and I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. That's how God designed it. In you, in Abraham. So in us. All the nations and the kindreds of the earth shall be blessed. So that's what the Bible said in Psalm 105, verse 15. Say, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. Any good you do to any child of God, attracts God's blessings. And when you do bad to a child of God, <laughs> you better watch it. That's the apple of God's eye. You better be careful what you're doing. So Abraham, the Bible recorded in Genesis 13 too, that he was extremely rich in silver, in gold, and in, in, and in, in, in silver and in gold. In livestock, silver and in gold. At least livestock was so much rampant at, the, at his time. And we are his seed, according to Galatians 3.9, it <clears throat> says, so then, those who are people of faith are blessed and made happy and favored. That's talking about you and I. Amen. Those who are people of faith. Are you a child of faith? Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says you are blessed and made happy and favored by God as partners in fellowship with the believing and trusting Abraham. So it means you're supposed to be believing and trusting in what God ever said. Galatians 3.29 says, and if you belong to Christ, then you are now Abraham's child and a true heir of all his blessings. A true heir of all his blessings because of the promise God made to Abraham. So his blessings are ours. Now if you look at the, the next child of Abraham, Isaac, the Bible said of Isaac that in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 26, he said, and the man Isaac became great and gained more and more until he became very wealthy and extremely distinguished to the point that the Philistines envied him. Why? Because of the covenant that God had with Abraham and the same covenant he has with you and I. And when God spoke to Isaac and said, do not leave Gerah, even though there was famine, stay in the land and plant there, he obeyed. And that was why Riches was the outcome. And it's the same thing he's telling us today. Live within what I've told you to do. God directs the footsteps of his children. Psalm 37, if you look at from verse 23, he says the steps of a good and righteous, talking about you and I, are directed and established by the Lord and he delights in his way and blesses his words he blesses his path. And God is not a man that he should lie. He said when he falls, he will not be hauled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand and sustains him. Even though it looks like there's a failure, that person will always bounce back. 
Verse 25, David said, I said, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous, those in right standing with God, abandoned or his descendants pleading for bread. It will never happen because the one who promised is God Almighty. He said, all day long, he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. He lends, he's gracious. And even his descendants are following after the same pattern. We have to understand that God is our source, not your job, not wherever you find yourself. God is our source, and that's what he wants us, his children, to understand. And that's why it's important that we consult him in all our doings, which course you're going to do in life, whether you're going to move from New Jersey to here or from Nigeria to here or from wherever it is. You have to consult the one who is your source. Remember, Christ is your life. You are no longer your own. You belong to him. And he supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory, not according to wherever you are or according to your job. That's not what he said. Remember, he's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the beginning, every middle of the way, and the end of the matter. You don't know anything at all. You have to totally depend upon his wisdom. The day you said yes to Jesus, you were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And in that kingdom of the son of his love, there's a way things operate. And you have to choose to remain in the place where you have been planted. So Christianity is not just a matter of coming to church or carrying Bible. It's important that when you come or when you study the Bible, you give attention to hear what the master is saying because therein lies his wisdom with which you can navigate through life and flourish the way he designed you. A car stays in a garage to be protected. So in the same manner as a Christian, you need to come to church to hear because God has given some in the church the ability to teach us, to guide us, to help us. That's why, so it's for your own good. And that's why you pay close attention when you're being taught, when a message is going on, or even when you're studying your Bible, you pay close attention. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed. Stable, stability. He has not been tossed about because of want. He's fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. He who dwells. You have to understand the meaning of dwell. You settle there. You are not taking instruction from any other way, or rather than where you are dwelling. So that you'll be able to be fully persuaded and say, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God, on him I lean and rely, and in him I consistently trust. So if you're the righteous, you have to be, make sure you're dwelling in the courts of our God. The courts of our God now is talking about the word of God. That is the boundary that God has set for you and I. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27 says, set your gaze on the path before you, the word of God. With fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignore life's what? 
Destruction. Because it will always come. And it comes daily. The devil will see to it that it comes to you. That's what the battlefield is your mind. Watch where you are going. Stick to the path of truth. And the road will be safe and smooth before you. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked for even a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. Don't even try it. If God has not said it, don't. If God says it, believe it, you're good to go. That's why he told us, focus on Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Because in any case, he's your life. Colossians 3 verse 4. Go and study the palm tree. That's describing you, who you are. Psalm 92, 12 to 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, those who dwell there, shall flourish where? In the courts of our God. So that's why it's important you remain there and you feed there. They shall still bear fruit in old age. There's never a time they are not fruitful. It doesn't happen. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He's honest. He's truthful. He can't change his word. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. He is fair and just to anybody. Who puts their trust in him? The Bible said in Titus 1 to God who cannot lie. His word will never return unto him void. He watches over his word to perform it. Jeremiah 1 12. There's a peace that one have when you know you are following the path that God has designed before you by following the word of God. Is a path that leads to peace. He said he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I've come to realize that anytime there's a disease, it brings disease upon me, brings sickness, it being either headache or something. So I constantly guard my heart because he will guide you by that inward peace. He said he will keep in perfect peace and he's, he keeps doing that. So God demands that we really follow him you know, with our whole heart. He doesn't want us to have any other goal besides him. That's to have other things that we are trying to draw from. You can't even serve two masters to start with. You can't serve God and serve money. Money, God has to take precedence. And then he will now give you whatever you need. God loves us and he's so crazy about all his children. James chapter 4 verse 5 says, Or do you suppose that the scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, The spirit who, whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he yearns for the spirit to be what? What does it mean to be welcome? He wants the spirit to be followed. With a jealous love. That's why he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It's important for us to understand that it is in him we live and move and have our being. Not any other place. When it's in him, it has to be in him. No other, no choice. If you really want to enjoy this flourishing. Acts chapter 17, verse 24, he says... 
The true God is the creator of all things. He is the owner and Lord of the heavenly realms and the earth realm, and he doesn't live in man-made temples. So guess his resident address is you and I. If he doesn't live in temple, we only gather here for this place to shelter us from cold and from sun. He lives in you. Psalm 15, you know, 10 to 12 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bed of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is mine. And that's why he said, the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't bother about, if this, you're of more value to him than all these beds, all these parrots, you are of more value to him. Verse 12 says, if I were hungry, I will not tell you. For the world and all it contains are mine. <laughs> They're all mine. So the same Acts 17, 25 says, he supplies life and bread and all things to every living being. You can try holding your nose for one minute and see how far you can go. He's the one holding you. So that's why when they say, let everything that has bread praise the Lord, you better praise him crazy because he's the one keeping you. We are kept by the power of God. It's of the Lord's message that we are not consumed. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him, for he has all things and everything he needs. He's God. He's a big daddy. He has everything. So that's why, you know, you know, you know, you know uh, when Paul was talking to the Philippians in uh, Philippians uh, 4 verse 15, he, you know, he was telling them in verse 16 that, uh, sorry, verse 17, he said, not that I seek the gift itself, but I do seek the profit which increases to your heavenly account. In other words, your giving is not really, you know, it, it's just for your own benefit. The reason you're asked to give anything at all, whether to the poor or to whoever, is for your own benefit. So your, it gets into your own account. And then he now said that... Uh, that they are the fragrant aroma of off, an offering, an acceptable sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. Because God delights in not doing that because he knows that that opens door for more blessings and flourishing for us his children. And in verse 19, he now said, and my God will liberally supply, fill until full your every need. Note that word, your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's what he said. But we have to do the preceding things first, and we'll come to that again. So that verse 26 of Acts says, from one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us over the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. That is the physical appointed time, the physical boundaries. That is, he said, from Adam. It was part of what my beloved brother I know was sharing with us last Sunday. But Jesus now came. He's the one, we, and he, the boundaries are now the word of God. And then we have to live within the boundaries of the word of God. He still determines our appointed times in history as we cooperate with him. And then 
you know, the fact that uh, he's now dwelling in us and he's by his word, which is now our boundary. And he's now, he's the real lion of the tribe of Judah. So he's the one we should now be following to understand our boundaries, our limits, and what is available to us. He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him and find him. For he is the God who is easy to discern. He's, he's so easy to find him. So easy. He made it easy. Our daily bread was said in Psalm 29.3, you can see it on the front page of it, say that uh, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The creation is speaking loud about the existence of God. Verse 28, it is through him that we live and function and have our identity. So real life is in really knowing and in following his ways. Is in him we function and have our identity. Is in within the boundaries of his world that we function and have our identity. That's why Matthew 6, verse 33 said, he said there, but first and most importantly, do what? Seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. And all these things will do what? Will be given to you also. And God is not a man that he should lie. Why don't we try him? He's ever faithful. Ever faithful. Proverbs 13, 21 says that prosperity pursues God lovers. I love that. Prosperity pursues God's love. I don't want the first one, but the second part of it. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. And verse 23 says, the lovers of God will live a long life and get to enjoy what? Their wealth. But the ungodly will do what? Suddenly perish. I want to enjoy this life. Enjoy whatever God gives me. I, want to, I don't want to not to enjoy it. They said it's only the lovers of God, those who choose to live within the boundaries of the world, in the courts of our God, and follow the path that is designed for them. Don't we know that the wealth of the hidden, the Bible said it will eventually get into the hands of the righteous, according to Proverbs 13, 22. Say, and the wealth of the sinner finds its way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. For whom it was laid up. Money has you know, wings and it can fly off any time. Proverbs 23 verse 5. It will suddenly be gone one day. You know, I have seen it happen to some people around me. And you don't want that kind of thing to happen. Proverbs 23 5 TPT says... Uh, here today and gone tomorrow. I don't want that one. I want the one that I will enjoy. And that one is, that's the one that comes from God. So God is not against his children have, you know, being rich, but he, he wants us to trust him rather than in the wealth because he knows what is best for us. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 to 19, he said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be what? Haughty. Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us what? Richly all things to enjoy. He doesn't just give us richly, but he will make sure that we enjoy it. I kind of like that one. 
I put a check mark good on that one. So, verse 17 says, let, those, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. That's the intention. Remember Abraham, blessed to be a blessing. And in Abraham, we shall be blessed and also be a blessing. 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So we use our wealth to further the work of God. That's what God wants us to do. You can see that in Luke 16, 9. You use your wealth, whatever God gives you, to flourish the work of God here on earth until you're called home. Don't ever forget that you are a steward or a custodian of whatever God has committed into your hands. And that's why he told us in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, moreover, it is essentially required of stewards that a man should be found faithful, proving himself worthy of trust, that God can trust us with whatever he has committed into our hands. So long as God is able to get it through you and get it out through you, he will make sure you get it. But if he sees that your story is not getting out, it's not flowing out through you, then that's where you have a problem. And you start from where you are. You can't say, well, if when I get more, then I will give. No, you start from where you are. I don't forget my late mom. This woman will buy the elementary six, you know, t- you know, you know that didn't even finish elementary six. And, you know, that's place where he stays. A little gova that she will buy, a little peanut that she will buy. She will always give me some to take to the pastors, uh, the pastorate to give to the, um, the cat keys to give to any good thing that she finds there, no matter how little. It's not in the much, but your heart and also the love with which you're giving. So you start from where you are. You faithfully follow your guide, who is the Holy Spirit, in dispensing what God has blessed you with. That's the way to really flourish in life. Luke 16, verse 11, it says there, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, that God in heaven will see that you're using whatever he has given you properly, you're honest with it, then... Why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of spiritual world? If you can't trust God and do, use the money well, the way God wants you to use it, then you want God to anoint you to maybe to pray for the sick and do other things. Let your faith start from that little one. Verse 12 says, And if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give you that which is your own? Judge for yourself, even you, if you give somebody something that is not doing well with it. You can trace your heart, whether it's for God, in your spending. And you can at the same time redirect your heart to God based on your spending. The Bible said in Luke 12, 24, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So when you see what you have as God's own, then you will loyally trust him to guide you in the dispensing of it. You will allow your new nature to decide, to direct, to guide you in your decisions. And that way you'll be able to know where the direction every dollar is being sent. 
The Bible said in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your first fruits, with every increase that comes to you. You glorify God with whatever you have. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. That's the promise of the Father. But you have to, first of all, honor God with whatever you have. But the issue is the flesh. <laughs> when it starts getting bigger, you begin to think otherwise. You don't want to get there. Psalm 112, one, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who fears the Lord with our inspired reverence and worships him with obedience, who delights greatly in his commandments. This man that understands that God is his source, verse 3 says, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures for how long? Forever. It, it is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He conducts his affairs with justice. That's following the Spirit's leading. He will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting confidently, relying on, the, on and believing in the Lord. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. This is the infallible promise of God to anyone who chooses to follow God in the dispensing, especially when we remember we are stewards. We came into this world with nothing and certainly will go with nothing. The Bible says, who makes you different from the other? What is it that you have received that grace has not made available to you? That's 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. And John said in 3 27 that a man can receive nothing except it was given to him from heaven. So, so it means whatever you have, God has allowed you to have it, but you have to use it his way. All good gifts and perfect gifts are from him. There is not from any other source. He has already made available for us the power to get wealth. You have it as a child of God. It's part of the covenant, but you have to follow him in the dispensing of it. There are cases of people who get wealth, but without depending upon God to guide them in the use of it, they lost all that. And some of them, you know, they even lost their faith. They derailed from the church, from faith. And some of them, their families are abandoned just because of wealth, the riches of this world. And that's why God doesn't want it to have us. Timothy 1 verse 6, 6 verse 10 wonders, he said, for the love of money, that is the greedy desire for it and the willingness to gain it unethically is a root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves through and through with many sorrows. You can see why God doesn't want that to happen for us. That's why he wants us to totally depend upon him. He wants us to have money, but he doesn't want money to have us. Uh, this, this, this description in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, verse 10, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with gain. This, is, this also is vanity, emptiness, falsity, and futility. When goods increase, they who eat them increase also. That's how it's supposed to be. Blessed to be a blessing. 
And what gain is there to their owner except to see them with his eyes? You see them, you will also be, you will eat of it, but you have to make sure that it's being dispensed God's way. And you have to be happy that others are being blessed through it. Verse 13 says, there is a serious and severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his heart. You can't hold it. Blessed to be a blessing. That's you. It has to be a blessing to others. Jesus already told us it's more blessed to give than to receive. That is for every child of God. So we have to make sure that whatever God has blessed us with, we are using it as a blessing. And it will really make us rich and will not add sorrow to any of us. In Jesus' name, amen. That's Proverbs 10.22. So the reason we walk really is so that we may have something to give him who has need. That's Ephesians 4.28. You may have something to give to them that need because you are blessed to be a blessing. But the only thing is that when it comes, you will also feed from there and you will feed sumptuously. God wants us to be givers, to be those who help people. He died for us so that those of us who live should live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died for us and gave himself for us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 6. He says, remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap how? Sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, what will happen to the person that bless? But the reason... He said that blessings may come to someone. Blessed to be a blessing. We'll also reap generously and with blessing. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind. That is following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And purpose in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves. He takes pleasure in. Prizes above other things. And is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver. Whose heart is in his giving. So that's why it's important you follow the leading of the spirit of God. And you give generously. You give in love. You give by faith. Trusting in what God said. When you are generous to the poor, you are, you are enriched with blessings in return. That's a Proverbs 22, 9. So verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Do you like that? I like it. So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid. I don't want to be on the other side. I'd rather be the one giving. I love it. Require no aid or support. I'm furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, he, the beloved person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor his deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. You remember Cornelius. God remembered him for his benevolent to being benevolent to the poor. And that brought something good to his life and his family. Verse 10. And God, who provides seed for the sower, 
not seed for sowing. You have to be a sower for God to make that provision. God who provides seed for the sower. And bread for eating, bread for eating, because the righteous will not beg bread, nor his seed. Bread for eating, not bread for the eater. Don't be the eater only. Also choose to be a blessing. So bread for eating, not bread for the eater, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. So still addressing the sower. Thus, you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous, still blessed to be a blesser. And your generosity as it is, administered by us, will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Witness, like our beloved brother was teaching us last Sunday. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know how many people that I keep thanking God for their lives. Verse 12. For the service that the ministering of this fund renders does not only fully supply what is lacking to the saints, God's people, but also overflows in many cries of thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. Verse 13 says, because at your standing of the test of this ministry, they will glorify God for your loyalty and obedience to the gospel of Christ, which you confess, as well as for your generous-hearted liberality to them and to all the other needy ones. Blessed to be a blessing. And they yearn for you while they pray for you because of the surpassing measure of God's grace. This favor and mercy and spiritual blessing which is shown forth in you. Say, people are praying for you. Anytime you give to you, say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And they are praying blessings over your life. And God first gave us, verse, 10, verse 15 says, Now, thanks be to God for his gift, precious beyond telling, his indescribable, inexpressible free gift. He gave us Jesus. And because he gave us Jesus, he gained many more children. That's how God designed it. Generosity will always attract prosperity. Let's look at Proverbs 11. Verse 24, generosity brings prosperity, but withholding from charity brings what? Poverty. Those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. <laughs> I like that. People will cause the businessman with no ethics, and that's what we, experience, we were experiencing in Nigeria. It was a gas station. They are hoarding gas. They, don't want, they want to sell it privately and at a very high cost. 27, living your life seeking what is good for others brings untold favor. But those who wish evil for others will find it coming back to them. Keep trusting in your riches and down you will go. But the lovers of God rise up like flowers in the spring. It's so best to follow God's way. But there's a pattern to follow in giving, especially when it comes to giving to the church. 
we follow the pattern that the Bible described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, 1 and 2. He said, now concerning the money collected for the relief of the saints in Jerusalem, you are to do the same as I directed the churches of Galatia to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside something aside in proportion to his prosperity and save it so that no collections will need to be done made when I come. It's so very wonderful because God said in Exodus 23, 15, none shall appear before me empty. God expects us to always come with something, set something aside for him. We have our offering envelopes here. There's a portion for offering. There's a portion for tithe. There's a portion for benevolence. There's a portion for CPC. There's a portion for mission for building. We have the envelope. You can imagine what happens when we always set something aside when we receive our pay. And you set something that you're going to give out of each of your pay. I don't think it will require, you know, launching for missions or whatever, or launching for CPC, whatever, because things would have been coming. And these are ways, opportunities for us to be blessed. It's a long time God ministered to me for every of your pay, set aside this. This is what I want you to give for this, for this, so that I make sure that envelope is filled full. Yes. And I can't tell you the blessings that have been flooding into my life. I thank God for all our pastors. God gave us giving pastors. They give nyafu nyafu. They really do. Uh, somebody should interpret what nyafu nyafu means. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, because the Bible said that we, are, we, we walk so that we can be a blessing to the others. Are you now going to be poor? Look at what the Bible said about the poor. Proverbs 19.7. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. You don't want to get there. That's why I say I don't want to be on the other side. I'd rather be a giver. And, uh, you know, the person that really does thorough business, committed to work so that you can be a blessing. The Bible says, you will not stand with mean men, mean men. You will stand with kings, not with obscure men. The one that is diligent in business, the Bible says you will prosper because the hand of the diligent, God makes sure that you flourish. Even in the Old Testament, God set aside a time for canceling of debts that if people borrowed money from you, it has to be people that are Israelites, like us, believers like you, and they could not pay back. God designed that the debts shall be canceled. That's why I love this country. It's patterned after the Bible. There are times they begin to cancel people's debts. But it has to be done. And God promised blessings to anyone who will do that. Amen? Praise the Lord. So you give the much that you can because it has purpose in your heart. And God knows the proportion that you have. There's seed time and harvest time. It will never cease. The Bible says so in Genesis 8.22. It will never cease. And it, in the, the fact remains that it is the proportion to which you give that you're going to get in return. He told us in Luke 6:38, he said, Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaking down to make room for more, abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. So it's up to you. It's not up to God. So that you don't blame God. 
There's no amount of fasting and prayer that will change this. Seed time remains and harvest time remains. So it is what you put in that you're going to get in return. Um, if you look at uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precept to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and this only, is what he will reap. But he encouraged us in verse 10 that as we have opportunity, it's always important that we choose to do good to all. That's when he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I was just thinking about this you know, story about the Shunammite woman who, you know, uh, uh, that's uh, Elijah and then Elisha and Gehazi in a second, you know, Corinthians, you know, um, that's a second Corinthians chapter, sorry, first Corinthians, uh, first of all, Elijah, Elijah and the you know, Zarephath widow. This woman, God told Elijah, I'm going to send you to this woman and he's going to feed you. And Elijah came and saw this woman. So, okay, please give me a cup of water when you're coming. And the woman started going. I said, no, also add a one you know, cup of a cake or whatever. And the woman said, look, what, what I have, I just feed me and my son and we die. And Elijah said, no, go ahead and do it and bring me first. God wants us to give him first. And then the multiplication will show. And then, you know, you, I was talking about Elisha and the, uh, the, and the Shunammite woman. This woman started attending to the man of God because the Bible said that if you give one cup of cold water to my prophet, you will not go unrewarded. And through this, this Shunammite woman, God blessed her with a son. And then when there was going to be farming in the land, Elisha told the woman to please find a place to stay because this famine will certainly come. And she did. And after the seven years, she came back. Because of that thing that Elisha did by raising the child from dead when the child you know, passed, the, the king was able to restore back what belonged to this woman. And that's really what I want. I just wanted to read that one. That's in a in a, uh, uh, Second Kings chapter eight, verse six. He said, "And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, "Restore all that was hers, and all the proceeds, the field from the day that she left the land until now." Because this woman honored a man of God by giving. Whatever you give for the cause of Christ will not go unrewarded. And whatever you do for God, it will never go unrewarded. So it's important that we choose to be givers and give God what is due unto him. Give him what is honorable to him. Find out something that is best for God because God deserves our best. It's important that we find out that we know that God has not designed poverty for any child of his. I don't forget our own case when we suffered abject poverty. It was somebody who taught us about tithing. We didn't know about it. 
But when we believed in that and we yielded ourselves to it, we began to experience the kind of flourishing we've never known before. The only thing was that when the flesh kicked in, we became wise because we felt we were giving too much. The 10% was too much. And we started withholding. No, no, no. We first of all increased it to 15 because it was working. And because it was still increasing much and much, we said, ah, this is too much, to give, too much money to give to the church. We removed five. We said we would give it when they call for help. And then, from there, like I said, that riches, they have wings. They will always fly away. It all flew away. We became so miserable. But thank God, when Pastor Fasherty preached, and, remind, and they preached with this uh, scripture that says, uh, you know, that you, when you make a promise to God and you violate it, that, you know, you, you can't blame God for that. That's in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. So you can read that for yourself. So we quickly repented and we asked God to forgive us for the arrears of the five, extra 5%. And we started going back to 15%. And God restored by because he's a faithful and merciful father. I am just encouraging us. I don't want anyone that is known by the name of the Lord to suffer poverty. The way we saw it in my family when we were in Nigeria. Be radical for Jesus. Follow the wisdom of God. I guarantee you, I've been a witness. My family has been a witness Follow the wisdom of God and you will certainly not regret it. But remember, you are blessed to be a blessing. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our Father, we thank you. You are very, very faithful. You're a good father. You love us so dearly. You've made a way for us to flourish in life. Help us to follow your wisdom. From today onwards, as many as have heard this message today, and those who have heard online, and those who might still listen later on, that it will be said of them that they are blessed to be a blessing as they follow you within the boundaries that you have set for us. You, the God who has designed for us our expected end. Blessed be thy name, merciful Father. Thank you for your faithfulness, mercy, and love. Thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.